Welcome to the Elevate Together podcast, voices of change in the business of law. Hello, this is Nicole Giantonio, the head of global marketing at Elevate. The podcast episode you're about to hear is part of our impact series featuring Elevate customers implementing transformative change. In this episode, Elevate's Stephen Allen talks with James Tuzel of the law firm TLT. James describes programs TLT implemented to support their challenger firm description and a culture that delivers what it promises to clients. So hi, this is Stephen Allen from Elevate. I'm the vice president of Get Shit Done. And today I'm talking to James Tuzel. James, do you want to introduce yourself, your role and what you do? Hi, Stephen. Thank you for inviting me to the podcast. So I'm James Tuzel. I'm a partner in UK law firm TLT, and I lead our future law practice, which is a multidisciplinary team, which has been brought together to solve a wider range of problems for our clients than just their legal ones. So that's an emphasis on things like legal technology, legal transformation and operations, how we use data, and generally more kind of strategic consultancy that we do for clients around the future of delivery of legal services, both in the law firm context, but also for in-house legal departments. Oh, and I know one of the things that you feel strongly about and I feel strongly about is at Elevate, we don't like using the term alternative legal service providers because we're a law company and we don't think we're an alternative. And I think you feel equally as strongly about that as a term describing kind of the ways in which law firms can deliver services. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure alternative is right. I think like any professional industry, you know, it's going through a period of change and things that might have felt alternative a few years ago have become business as usual. So it's just about delivering the best way that you can and anticipating what future client needs are and making sure that you continue to change to do that. And that could be a law firm doing providing all of the services that a client's needs in and competing with alternative legal services providers on that basis. So yeah, I don't think alternative is the quite word. It's it's the new way of delivering legal services. Cool. So future law, do you want to kind of explain a bit around how you got to kind of where you are today? Um, I've had the pleasure of working with you and I've seen the impact that it's had both on TLT itself and on your clients. But it might be useful for people to kind of give a bit of your journey on kind of how you got here and what you've done and some tricks of the trade, etc. Sure. So I suppose our approach has evolved over a number of years. I mean, to a degree... Uh, TLT is always to try to do something different and deliver services differently because we're a challenger firm and have been seen as that, I think, for a little while is doing the same thing that everyone else has done doesn't get us noticed and doesn't help us win work. And so we've always tried to think about how we can deliver services differently. I suppose it was about six years ago, something like that, that we recognized alongside many other firms and other providers that the needs of clients were changing rapidly in the terms of the delivery of legal services. And so we needed to work out how we needed to change to better reflect those changing requirements. And so it started in a very exploratory way, I suppose, which is how are we going to work out what clients want? And I felt we'd always been good at talking to clients, but I suppose one moment in time was the publication of the LexisNexis report of amplifying the voice of the client, which was authored by Mark Smith. And we invited Mark to come in and talk to our client program. And the kind of central element of that report was the general counsel surveyed felt that there was a significant disconnect between what they wanted and what law firms were delivering. And obviously, when he was saying that to 
a group of senior leaders in our business, the immediate reaction was, that's terrible, isn't it? But it's not us. And then with a little bit mature reflection, I think it was probably all law firms. And so it really made us think about needing to be a bit more systematic in how we assessed what client need was, both at that point and in the future, and to have a more structured way internally for reshaping ourselves to deliver that. And that has been a long period of experimentation. At the heart of it, it's really been an increased focus on talking to clients about what they want and going away and looking at different ways in which we can meet that need. I suppose some early examples of what we did and showed how we started and where that led to was our collaboration with Legal Sifter back yep. at the end of 2017. So that was on the back of talking to clients a lot about how they handle business as usual contracts in their business and a sense that they want to get them reviewed, but they just don't want too many lawyers spending too much time on them. And we thought that it was that moment in time where there was a very considerable focus on artificial intelligence and how that could help. So we went out to market to see whether there's an artificial intelligence product that could review contracts and provide legal advice. And after a long search, we came up with, came across Legal Sifter in the US, came across them actually through an article that they did with Richard Tromans and gave them a call. They did a demo and one thing led to another. And what was clear was that they shared the same vision as us in terms of the role of technology is to augment how the lawyer reviews contracts, not to replace them. But it is more than risk rating contracts in that context. It is being able to review and advise on contracts and for the technology to do that. So we invested in their business at the end of 2017. We signed a partnership agreement. And even though we were convinced this is what could solve a lot of problems with our clients because we've been talking to them, we wanted to get a couple of early clients on board to make sure that we were right. So there was a lot of collaboration with clients, showing them what we had, getting some feedback and working with Legal Sifter to continually improve the product. And we've just done that since with people like Clarilis, partnering with them around uh, contract automation, which we can talk more about perhaps. But it's that point of where we work extra hard to listen to what clients want, go out to market to see what solutions are out there, combine that with our expertise and try to deliver a solution to clients that work. And the great thing about the Legal Sifter product I think is the ability with which you can create kind of new modules based on the same thing. What sorts of contracts in the early days were clients saying, God, we could really do with some help here and you kind of early model contracts with Legal Sifter? Certainly procurement type contracts. So NDAs, contracts for provision of services and software. And that remains the principal focus. But I think what early on we saw was when we showed them the products, they were both to external clients, but also internally, because we use the product internally as well, is the user or the person that you're demonstrating it to would run ahead quite quickly and say, oh, if you can do those contracts, can you do my real estate contracts? And can you do my ISDAs? <laughs> we were talking to banks. Yeah. We think, well, we can, but should we walk first? You know, Should we solve your immediate problem? And then we can develop the product further. So it's, it's sometimes... Technology is a great way, I think, in many respects, to help understand what the art of the possible is. But then it's breaking that down into more simple things to solve to get those quick wins before going on the bigger problems. I mean, it's a great point on innovation, I think, generally, and particularly, I don't know if it's peculiar to the legal industry, because I think you and I haven't done it in any other, but the need to both be the accelerator pedal and the brake, <laughs> the brake lever at the same time, yeah. is often challenging. Yes. And getting that right balance, because you want to move quickly, because like any change program and doing change in legal services is no different. You do 
want to deliver on your promises, so whether it's technology or something different, you do want to be able to show that the benefits you promised you can deliver and get those quick wins. But equally, you don't want to go too fast because there's only so much change that the business can take in one go. So we talked a bit about Legal Sifter. You mentioned uh, Clarilis and document automation, which I presume, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that you're using internally and with clients at the moment. Yes. I know you personally are also interested in things like data. What sorts of things are you looking at or have you been looking at as a firm in terms of either your own data or helping clients with their data? A number of different types of data we've been looking at. There's the business information, so the internal information we have around the performance of our business, which enables us to make more informed decisions. Secondly, there's performance data. So there's data around how we are delivering services to our clients, and that could be measured against a formal KPI, key performance indicator, where we have those with clients about how quickly we'll respond or deal with issues, or where we don't have formal KPIs, just what the expectations of clients are around our service delivery more broadly. So those two things are really important, but also that kind of next level for us has been how we provide genuine insights that contribute to a client's bottom line. Clients recognize that we support them in a number of areas across their business. We support a number of clients in their industry and we work across industry. And what experience can we bring to help them as the in-house legal department often change the way that they operate to deliver better value for their business? And one example of that, which I continue to champion internally, is we work with a large institutional client, which we have done for about 20 years. And we have been doing this particular type of work for this client throughout that period, as well as for comparable institutions in the UK. And having that view across the markets, this particular process that this client was following wasn't delivering the same results as quickly. But because we could see how other institutions were doing it, and we had worked with them on designing their processes, we were able to come back to this particular client and say, look, if you made this change, we think you can better achieve the benefits that you want to achieve because we've seen how other people could do it. And it's not as simple as it sounds, you know. but we made the change, working with the client to do that, and it did deliver that benefit. And for me, whether it's about process change or whether it's about anticipating regulatory impacts or whether it's about how we deploy legal project managers, those insights, which is kind of bringing data to life into more understanding and wisdom than just raw data, is something which... You know, the big four do terribly well, but law firms don't necessarily do as well as they could. And yet, when it comes to legal issues and not least contracts, we probably have at our fingertips all the data needed to make those kind of insights, provide those insights to clients. Future Law Now is five years operationally old, maybe. In terms of the kind of what next and what you're thinking of and your thoughts around I suppose, both the impact it can have for your clients, but also the impact it can have for the wider firm, for the rest of TLT. What sorts of things are you kind of considering with and thinking of from a future law perspective? First thing is embedding a bit more what we're doing. There's a risk that we try and run a bit too fast, so we run on to the next thing. With clients, it is to continuing to talk to them about legal transformation, You know, helping legal departments to envisage what their next generation operating model needs to be to support how their businesses are going to change over the next few years. Particular emphasis on automation and finding more complex areas in which to introduce automation for clients, how automation can be used to capture the data that we've discussed. You know, we very much want our clients and even ourselves to move away from too many people typing into spreadsheets at the end of the month. 
and getting to the point where more of the data is captured automatically as part of a project transaction or dispute. And deploying that more internally, you know, we've had some great wins internally and groups who only a few years ago hadn't really embraced the new approach as much as we had hoped are now kind of leading the firm in that approach. But it's about being more consistent in that. And I think that embedding that point is really important to get the goodwill and belief that we can move on to the next thing because we've dealt with the first things well and they've been implemented well. I think what the next things might be, I mean, we have... There's more to do on technology. I think every year we like to go out to the legal tech market and assess what's out there based on the client needs that we are identifying. We've recently just done that reassessment to look at what else we could be using, either instead of or in addition to what we're currently using. And I think there's some more opportunity to add more value through technology and some partnerships that we might develop. There's a piece around legal transformation, as I mentioned, and perhaps trying to bring more to clients some of the lessons we've learned in terms of transforming legal service delivery in the law firm and see how that applies to in-house legal departments. We have a particular focus on commercial consulting, so helping clients run their procurement teams. Hopefully, they'll seem to announce some developments around that in terms of how we can broaden our capabilities around commercial consulting. So to help extend the impact of a lot of the things we do around legal technology, legal project management and data outside the in-house legal department into other teams like procurement. And just building on the expertise that we've got, you know, we've got a team of around 15 now. That's in addition to the individuals we work with alongside in IT and knowledge management, but building out additional specialists in legal technology, legal project management and process optimization, that kind of thing. So it's skills development as well as continuing to push forward with ideas. A kind of question that I always found when I was working in a firm, question I'm going to ask you because you've been doing it for a fair amount of time. The hardest thing, of course, is bringing people on that journey and almost before you bring them, kind of nudging them to be willing to at least step on that journey. What lessons would you give, say, a positive and a negative in terms of doing that stuff that works and stuff that really doesn't work in terms of getting people to buy into new, to embrace it and actually then to engage with it? Well, one tip which Kevin Miller gave me, he was a CEO of Legal Sifter when we were talking to him, was about how we would implement change through the use of Legal Sifter was don't tell people, show people. And so the importance of, yes, describing what your vision is, how the future can be different and how that is appealing and how in the context of technology, although it's not all about technology, how it's never going to replace lawyers, it just augments lawyers. But nonetheless, show them how things can be better by implementing those quick wins. And I've said that a few times, but that is probably the most important thing. Finding an early adopter, someone who's enthusiastic and someone who can fill in the blanks in the vision, you know, because if you're doing something that's a bit more innovative, you won't necessarily know all the questions, let alone all the answers. And so you're finding someone who believes that this will take them on their journey, working with them to deliver something positive and sharing that as a case study. So other people look around and say, why aren't you talking to me about that? Create some demand. Yeah, that has really worked for us, both internally as we deploy different things across the business, but also with clients where we can share stories across clients as to how that has made a difference. And I know there's always a view that you know lawyers don't like change, but I don't think lawyers are any different to anyone else. <laughs> Describe to them what it means for them personally they do buy in quite quickly. And where I'm sitting right now, my biggest problem is the level of demand. 
and that is individuals across our business, but also within clients have started to see if it's with clients, you know, it might not just be us, obviously seeing across their other panel firms, what's possible and wanting to hear more about it. And certainly I spend most of my time talking to clients and that includes in the context of panel reviews and things like that. And we've certainly seen in the last 12 months, an increasing number of panel reviews where the key criteria for appointing a new panel firm is not how many lawyers you have in a particular area and how big was the last transaction. It is how are you going to deliver differently? We would call future law. Yeah. But that's what they want to hear about. And that's how they're making their decisions on which firms to pick. I think one of the things about when you're trying to do something different is it's an uncharted journey and you never know what's going to come. In your journey, what surprised you the most, either positive or negative? I would say it's the level of interest and support internally, the level of support that we've had to build a new team in the business in the knowledge that future law isn't a thing that's done on the side of the firm. We want future law and what we're doing to run through the whole firm. This idea of asking a client what they want rather than assuming and going back within our business and thinking about how we can perhaps blend, obviously, leading legal expertise with some technology, legal project management, how we're going to use data and deliver a solution that meets that need, as opposed to the other way around, building something and hope they'll buy it, is just a mindset that works really well in legal services. And we're trying to broaden across the whole firm. And in terms of clients, it's their willingness to engage and collaborate with us and not expect us to have all the answers on day one. They're excited about kind of making mistakes together. And obviously, I don't mean that in the context of delivering legal services. We try not to make mistakes. But in terms of how Eric's experimentation into how things can yeah. be done differently and how we're helping them anticipate what the future might look like, that open-mindedness has been surprising and obviously very welcome. Fantastic. I was struck by you describing yourself as a challenger firm. And obviously, you do a lot of stuff in the financial services industry. So you, like us, are aware of challenger banks, etc. A number of firms historically have been challenger firms, and then they become the establishment. And if anything, their appetite for change drops away. How are you, James, kind of as the custodian of that for TLT? (laughs) What do you think you're going to need to do to maintain that challenger firm ethos, even as you grow and you become increasingly established? I would say two things. One is culture. I do think willing to challenge the way things have been done is a part of our culture. And I, I don't think you can invent a new culture, but perhaps augmenting that and encouraging it and through leadership showing that is important will be how we keep on track in terms of that type of agenda. And then I think more broadly, in particular with clients, delivering on our promises, which sounds simple, but actually in the context of change, if we're saying to a particular client, look, we'll deliver this automation in the way that you use a recent example, a client that was preparing 1,800 employment contracts a year, so their FTSE 250 business with lots of employees. And we said, well, we'll help you deploy automation around that to enable you to resource that work more efficiently within your business and do things more quickly and more effectively. Are we delivering those benefits? And are we continuing to work hard to improve the way that's done? And I think keeping those promises is very important to show that we're we're on that continual development path with clients. So culture and delivering on your promises. Keeping the promises. Great. James, thank you very much. That was fantastic. Thanks, Stephen. I've enjoyed it. Tune in to the next episode of the Elevate Together podcast. 
available on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, and ElevateServices.com. 